You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org. God bless you. We have a seat this morning. We're going to jump into God's Word today. I believe that God's really got a message uh, for you, and I'm so grateful that you're here on this rainy Sunday morning, but a great first part of our week to join together with the Lord and to celebrate Him today. We're in a series called By Faith, and we're going to look at how to increase faith, what faith is, how to increase faith, how to live a life that's lived by faith, not a live a life of quiet desperation, but living a life that's lived by faith. Here's why. You need this sermon. You want to live by faith. But living by faith requires getting yourself in tune with what God wants and where he's going and what he's doing. And if you can't do that, then you can't really live by faith. Because you want to live by faith, but it's hard to. And some of you, how many of you have ever said, God, give me a sign? God, give me a sign. Like, you looked at the heavens for a shooting star. I think they happen every night, just by the way. Um, but you, you're like, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And you're looking for a sign. But I want to let you know that by understanding to live by faith is not looking for a sign. It's actually listening for one. Not looking for a sign, but listening for one. Is it possible for you and for me to hear from God? Maybe not audibly in your ears. Some people have, and certainly in Scripture they have. God's given us His Word right here. He's made things very clear within His Word. But I believe that God is a relational God. I believe God still speaks. I believe God wants to do life alongside you. He wants to do life with you. And I believe He has things He wants to talk to you about. He has things He wants to tell you and reassure you of and give you insight and wisdom on. I believe God still speaks. And the question is, Will God still speak to you? And can you train your ear to listen to what pleases him? Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And a lot of times when we think of living by faith and we want to hear from God, well, it's confidence we hope God would speak to us. We hope that there's an assurance there that I I don't maybe see it or know or hear it yet, but I, I certainly want God to communicate with me. But how does he do that? The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 starts to chronologically tell stories of people who had faith in the Bible. He starts actually with creation. He says this, He said that the universe was being formed by God's very word. Then he goes in and he begins to talk about Cain and Abel who were sons of Adam and Eve, the first family. And we looked at what happens when that first family experienced a murder in the family last week. And so we looked at that directly. Then he goes on and he begins to talk about a man named Enoch. Enoch. And if you have your Bible, open with me to Hebrews chapter 11. All these, by the way, people are people who live by faith that he's highlighting. 
And so he's going to look now at Enoch. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at every person mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 because we want to understand what is the author telling us that is so important when it comes to living by faith. And we have to look at the lives of very real people who actually lived in history. Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience what? Death. Okay, he did not experience death. He could not be found, quote, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased who? God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In the Bible, there were two people who did not experience death. I often say, you know, that phrase, I say one out of one people die, it's hard to get away from. It's really not true because there were two people in the Bible who didn't experience death. So some mathematician here is going to have to take all the people in the world and take those two people into account and give me what that number is. Until then, I'm going to say one out of one people die. That's the way it's going to be. But there were two people in the Bible who didn't experience death. One was Enoch that he was taken away, he did not experience death. The second was the prophet Elijah, that he was taken up in a chariot of fire right in front of the eyes of Elisha, who was like his prodigy. And he saw him being taken up into heaven, but both those people did not experience death. And we're going to look at what it means for each of those people to live by faith. First of all, we're going to look at the life of Enoch, but we were told that in order to please God, you have to have faith, and faith requires two things out of verse 6. Number one in your outline, if you're taking notes, is by faith, I must believe that God exists. I must believe he exists. Now, if you're a person who is unsure if God exists, if you're a person who hasn't decided yet what to do with faith, I wanted to say this is the best place you can be to begin to explore the idea of faith, to begin to explore, does God love me? Does he know me? Does he want a relationship with me? What does that actually look like? What does it mean for me to become spiritually alive? And is that a real deal, that I can have a relationship with a God who actually cares about me? This is the best place you can be to explore that. But one of the things you need to realize is when you come to faith, the first moment of faith is realizing and believing that God exists. The first major awakening in our journey of faith is coming to realize that God exists. And it can be quite a jolt. It can be quite a jolt to your life. Because you're going to realize that that awakening is quickly followed by the realization that if God exists, I've got to deal with him. That I've got to take him into account that I can't ignore him, that he must be dealt with. That's the big shock to the system. And honestly, many people avoid it for years. They may know God exists, but the fact that they need to deal with him and not ignore him is something that takes years at times for people. But hopefully, you come to see that there is no better place than to place your love and your trust in God to accept his invitation to life and to begin to live with him, having him actively involved in your life. That's when you come alive. You could trade a mediocre, do-it-yourself kind of survival mindset life, or you can begin to say, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I want to live by faith. I want there to be things that stretch me and grow me. God, I want to understand the dynamic of who you are, and I know that you want to communicate with me, and I want to walk with you and communicate with you, God. So first, I've got to believe that God exists. 
And second, I must believe God rewards when I seek him. So by faith, we believe he exists. By faith, we believe he rewards when I seek him. So let's look at the historical account of Enoch, a man who believed God exists and rewards those who seek him. There is not a lot of information in the Bible about Enoch. If you don't believe me, look it up. But we're going to look it up in Genesis chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God and he was no more because God took him away. How would you like to live a day? How would you like to live a year per day of a calendar year? 365 years. By the way, how many 65-year-olds are in this room? Just somewhere in that range. Just kind of raise up your hand. All right, proud of you guys. Good job. Um, he started having kids when he was 65. <laughs> Ten years ago, so did my uncle. It was a mistake. I mean, it was a surprise. Kids aren't a mistake. They're a surprise. But he waited to get married later in life. His wife's a little bit younger than him. And all of a sudden, at 65, my uncle became a dad. So I have a cousin who's 10. But here's the thing, you read the Bible and you read this and you're like, come on, 365 years, nobody is ever, you know, they're arguing about the oldest lady in the world, was she legit or not, and, and now they're saying there's 365 years. Enoch was having kids when most of us were done, and he kept having them literally for centuries. And I want to point this out, if you start having kids when you're 65, but let's say you're still good till, you know, 250, that's a lot of years. I mean, that's a lot of kids. People are always wonder, like, well, wait a minute. I don't understand. Okay, in the Bible, Adam and Eve were created, and then they started having kids. Well, who did their kids marry? I think we don't understand that they kept living a long time. And what you're going to see, because next week we're going to look at the life of Noah, next week we're going to see that the condition of the world before the flood was radically different than it is now. This morning we had rain. Do you realize that before God judged the world with a flood, it had never rained? People hadn't seen it. They didn't know what to do with it. What you've got to understand and wrap your mind around was that what the environment of the world looked like before the flood was radically different, and it led to incredibly long life. And since the flood, we've seen a gradual decrease in life till about 150 years ago, where life started a little uptick, just a small one, because of Health, medicine, and technology. Life has decreased. We're going to look at God's wrath against sin and how it radically shifts everything next week. Well, Enoch walked with God. Enoch lived by faith. Enoch had a son. His son was named Methuselah. Methuselah was the oldest living man recorded in Scripture. He lived 969 years and you're like, how in the world is that like even possible? Noah, by the way, was 500 years old when he had his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And then they started growing up, and then they built the ark. Okay? After 500, those are some good years. Really, Enoch died a young man, or he didn't die. He went away. God took him up, and he was no more, is what the scriptures tell us. 
you're going to see a radical change in lifespan after the flood, and God radically shifted that environment. But here's what I want you to ask. Some of us, I mean, we're, think about your age, and you've lived X number of years. How much sin could you rack up in 365 years? <laughs> Try a thousand. Right? I mean, we're going like, God, I'm, I'm, I sin, and I don't want to, but God, I do. And just think how much we have accumulated and throw on God if we lived 365 years. And yet all that covered in the future Messiah who would come, his name is Jesus. And that he would cancel out your sin whether you live five years, 15 years, 500 years, or a thousand. He can wash you white as snow. But somewhere along the way, Enoch began to learn to walk and live in relationship with God. To walk with him, to be a friend of God. He believed that he exists. He believed that he rewards when I seek him. And so Enoch was a man who sought after God. Number three on your outline is this. Faith pleases God and emboldens you to approach him. Say, why do I need faith? Why can't I just have, like, belief? Well, faith gives you confidence to approach God. It's going to embolden you to be like, God, I, I have the right and I have the ability, and actually you want for me to seek you. Not only do you want me to seek you, you reward me when I do. Even if I'm a mess, you reward me that in my mess, I turn toward you. In my mess, I'm going to seek you. When I don't have it all together, when I don't know where it all is, God, I'm still going to seek you. In your pride... You're going to seek him. God, I am a proud man. I'm a self-sufficient person. God, I'm going to do this. And yet you say, God, I'm going to humble myself to seek you. Let me tell you, pride's a dangerous one. It's what got Satan cast out of heaven. He wanted to be like God. And guess what? Nothing's changed. We looked at last week. Who's going to be God of the first of your life? Are you going to be God or is he going to be God? Nothing's changed. We still want to be God. But in our drive and our desire that we want to be controller and ruler and master and leader of our lives, that we're going to say, God, I will humble myself and I will seek your name. I will seek you. There are two things that keep us from seeking God, kind of two ends of a paradigm. And one is that you have pride and you're just like, I'm just all good. I don't really need to seek God because I got my life together and I'm all good. The other one is shame. See, there's guilt and there's inappropriate guilt. Appropriate guilt says, I did something wrong. I need to repair what I did wrong. And if I can't, I'm going to try and repair it or repair the relationship and do what is up to me to be able to do that. I'm going to take responsibility for what I did wrong. Inappropriate guilt says, I did wrong, so I am wrong. And shame is its best friend. So the accuser comes along. And he wants to tell you, you can't approach God. Look what you've done. So if you're saying, yeah, I've done wrong, but oh my goodness, I need Jesus. I still need him so much. Shame will come along and say, God doesn't want to spend time with you. In fact, listen, I believe you reach out your hand and you shake hands with this statement. You shake hands with a lie. You shake hands with a statement that affects your heart. You shake hands with it and say, I'm going to agree with you. And you know what that statement is? That statement is this, God only desires me when I'm good. And if you reach your hand out and say, God only likes me when I'm good or desires me when I'm good, and you shake hands with that, you've now made an agreement with an absolute lie. 
God wants you. He wants relationship with you when you have it together, when you don't have it together, when you know where it is, when you don't know where it is. He loves you. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we possess, profess, right? Not just talk, not just professing faith, but let us hold firmly to it. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but I would call receiving mercy and finding grace as some of the rewards that come from seeking God. Wouldn't you agree? That absolutely, that if I can find grace, which is undeserved favor, if I can find mercy, which means when I deserve something else, but I don't get it, then that's a good, that's reward right there. But not only that, that God wants us to go deeper, that he loves us. He wants to give us insight and guidance and wisdom. He wants to give our souls rest. He wants to give our life fulfillment. He wants to walk with us through the ups and downs of life. He wants you to know for every story that's going on in the life of people around you, God also has a story going on in your life. And that story in your life is what does God want to do in you and through you? So let's say someone else around you is deeply affected. They, they got a sickness, they got illness, they've passed away, they've had a terrible thing happen, and you're like, oh, I just, my heart hurts so much for them, and now I'm questioning you, God. God goes, there's two stories. One story is what's happening with them. The other story is what is happening to them has the possibility to grow faith in me and you. There's two stories. Parents, when your kids are struggling, there's a story going on with your kids, but let me tell you, there's also a story going on with you. God, what are, you, what are you revealing to me about me because I want to just jump in and rescue my kid? What are you unleashing in me because I want to just jump in and fix everything because I'm always a fixer? What does God want to do to grow our faith in him? Maybe grow a little bit less faith in us and a little bit more faith in him. There's always two stories. Let me ask you this in your situation right now. Have you considered the second story. There's always two stories. When we seek God, he will give us grace and mercy in our time of need, and he empathizes with us. He goes, listen, I know what it's like to be tried. I know what it's like to be tested. I know what it's like to be tempted. God did all those things. He experienced them just like you and I did in our flesh, yet he was without sin. But I, I, my point is this. That makes him a great high priest. For us, though, we say we have sinned. We've fallen. And so what do we do? We run to him because he can empathize. It's not like he doesn't know or doesn't understand or doesn't get it. He gets it firsthand. And so we run to him with confidence, approach him with confidence. Number four, God gives you wisdom and guidance when you listen. We need to listen to God. You know, sometimes I have a, a text conversation, um, and I'll come home, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, Heather, today I talked to so-and-so, and she'll be like, oh, you talked to them. What did you say? Well, actually, I texted. Because to a guy, if you text and do brief little comments, that's like having a really deep conversation. 
A woman doesn't think that that's what that is. She's like, that, that wasn't a conversation. You're like, well, well we, we, I felt connected. That's what a guy thinks. I mean, we, we says, share some jokes. <laughs> doesn't work, right? God wants, he sent us the, one of the best text messages ever. It's a great big text message. Have you read it? It tells you that he loves you. It tells you that there have been a lot of people who had lives just like you and me who chose to live by faith. And they were remembered and their life was radically transformed because they, they chose to take what could be a mundane existence and they chose to live by faith. Unbelievable. There's a guy in my circle group. He works for Outgrove Police Department in their technology. And he told our circle group this uh, last week that Elkgrove Police Department has switched from going from analog radios to digital radios. And it was a big kind of shift over because analog radios, you got to understand about them. They're noisy. They're, uh, they come with a lot of feedback, a lot of chirps, or a lot of static. It's not very clear, analog radios. And now they jump to digital radios, which are absolutely crystal clear without all the inappropriate noise. Just phenomenal. So they did that. They actually switched from one to the other, but a curious thing happened. A lot of the guys who were on the police department started complaining that they couldn't understand the radios. Because for 30 or more years, they have trained their ear to listen through the static and to listen through the nastiness and listen through the, the garbage noise to understand what's being said on the radios. And now they have something that's absolutely clear, but their ear has been trained to listen to the garbage noise. I think the same is true of you and me. That God is crystal clear. But we have trained our ears to listen to every philosophy in the world. We have trained our ears to listen to all the distraction and all the noise and all the busyness of our lives. And all the while, God is being crystal clear, but we have trained our ear to listen to the garbage noise. Some of us will find that when I go to listen to God, it's going to take some time because I've got to train my ear to sift out the noise and hear his clear voice. That inner speaking of the Holy Spirit, God speaking to your heart. God speaks through his word. God at times will give you guidance and stuff through other people, encouragement, that kind of thing. But so often God's saying, I also want to speak to you. I want to talk to you on the inside. I want you to talk to me in prayer, but I want you to listen to how I want to communicate to you on the inside. And sometimes I'm going to give you like that check in your spirit. Like, don't send that email. Don't do this. Don't do that. Or he'll, he'll be like, hold off. Wait on me on this. Don't just jump in and rescue your kid. There's a check in your spirit. Other times, God is just reassuring of his love and his grace. He cares for you. Other times, he's going to give you wisdom about your day. But it's beginning to listen to the voice of God. Some of you in this room, you're kind of an unconscious, well, unconsciously, you're a deist. What's a deist? A deist is a person who believes God created the world and he's out there something and he spun it into existence. He's, just, he's like, I'll be back later. We'll call it heaven. So you just be on your own. So here you are down on earth and you're living on earth and you're doing your darndest down here while God's kind of up there smiling at you somehow, not really engaged in the details of your life though. I mean, there are many people who profess to be Christians and they're living like a deist. That's a horrible way to live. That God wants to do life with you. He wants to communicate to you. The transition to a better life. People are always like, how do I get a better life? How do I get a better life? The transition to a better life is to be asking God, God, where are you headed? 
And what are you concerned about? And then following along with him. God goes ahead of us. And we the sheep, we follow. But to follow, I've got to tune my ear to the voice of the shepherd. And that means I've got to tune out some of the noise in my life. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask who? God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. We need to seek God because it pleases him. He rewards those who seek him. So we need to come and ask and seek God. Number five in your outline. Whatever you may be feeling, you do have a relationship with God because you belong to him. Your relationship is secure. Now, if you've given your faith and trust, you've put that in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have become a believer. You say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. You now have entered into a relationship with God. And whatever you may be feeling, whether it's great or not so great, your relationship is secure. You have a relationship with God. It's secure because of him. We talked about the first awakening, is that God exists. The second awakening is that I've got to deal with God. But the third awakening that I want to talk with you about today is the fact that we have an enemy. Satan was cast from heaven with his angels. We call them demons. And they are making war against the people who have become friends of God. The only problem is most of God's friends don't know it. They don't acknowledge that there's a spiritual battle. This is helpful information to know that when I seek God, there's going to be spiritual oppression. There's going to be an opposition that doesn't want me to hear from God. There's going to be an opposition that wants to distract me, that would much rather I listen to all the philosophies of the world and all the details of the news and all the information at work or at home and all the details of my life around me, but not listen to the one voice that is crystal clear. He wants me to listen to the garbage noise. Remember that childish assumption we talked about when we kicked off this series? It was A plus B equals C. Well, A is believe God. And B is be good. And then C is all is well. It's this idea that if I just believe in God and I try to be good, then God's going to take care of all the rest and, and it's just going to go easy. No, that is childish. Faith grows you up out of that kind of thinking. Faith acknowledges that there's an opposition to your hearing from God. Satan would rather distract you with all the garbage noise. Listen, some days you're going to hear clearly from God. Others, not so much. Maybe there's just too much noise, you're too distracted, you're too much in your own head. But it does not change your position with God one bit. Listen to me. Your faith is based on something much more solid than yesterday's episode. It's a lot bigger than that. God exists, and he rewards those who seek him, who approach him, who listen to him, irrespective of what you're feeling, high or low, God wants you off that roller coaster. In the highs, experience, seek him. In the lows, seek him. When you're feeling shame, seek God. When you're feeling too proud, humble yourself and seek God. You are secure 
in relationship with him, and so seek him by faith. Now, wouldn't it be a shame if we came to church today and we talked about listening to God, but we didn't actually listen to God? It was like, okay, I took some notes, did a little study, sang some songs. It'd be a shame. So we're going to do something. Over the next three minutes, we're going to take some time and have three minutes where we have an opportunity, all of us together, to quietly seek the Lord. And this is how, this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to ask the guys in the back, dim the lights a little bit. And, and what I want you to do is you might need to set down your stuff and, and uh, you might want to turn around in your seat. Even on, you might get on your knees and you might actually face your chair and you might put your elbows on your chair where your seat was you know, happening and you might just spend some time with God that way. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask that nobody leave the room. I'm going to ask everybody to stay here, whether you believe in God or not. But there's a time where we want to quiet ourselves from the noise. The band's going to come out. They're going to seek God, too. We're going to have a countdown on the screen so you know how much time is left, because some of you will get a little fidgety. But here's what I want. What would it look like right now for you just simply to say, God, I want to hear from you. And some of you came in carrying heavy burdens today. Some of you came in just needing this opportunity to quiet and seek the Lord and hear from Him. I believe God speaks when we listen. And I believe that for some of you right now, you'll just be getting into it and be like, oh, I don't know, maybe I heard something, maybe I didn't. But what would it look like if you just gave God a chance to talk to you today? So over the next three minutes, again, this is your time. You might want to spin around your chair, just kneel there. You might want to just bow your head, close your eye, but just not being distracted. Spend some time and begin to let the noise filter out and ask God, would he speak to you right where you are right now? And after that time, I'm going to come back out here. We're going to sing. The band will uh, do a song at the end of the three minutes. I'll come back out here and hit the last couple things on your outline. But this time is yours with the Lord.
I don't know what it was like for you. I was feeling just even myself a little bit like three minutes. It's like that's shorter than it takes you to get a cup of coffee. Yeah, what if you gave God six minutes or nine minutes or 30 minutes? What would it look like to our ear to train our ear to hear the voice of the shepherd? Imagine the power that the noise of the world would lose if we listen to the voice of the shepherd. Imagine the control that we would have, just the, the control of ourselves we would have because we're following the shepherd. We hear his voice. We know it when we hear it. And when we hear it, we follow. And how many times we will help ourselves and not cause undue stress in ourselves because we're listening to the voice of the shepherd. And maybe today you felt like, oh, I was almost there. I don't know. I was, you know, and then the song came on. It's okay. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. But maybe on your outline it says, in my time today listening to God, did I connect with him? Well, sometimes connecting with God is I just slowed down. And sometimes the godliest thing you could do is slow down. Be quiet. That's part of connection. Second, what did I hear from him? If God spoke to you, maybe you just write down as a reminder to you that God wanted to communicate one little simple thing to me today in church. Maybe you want to write that down. Listen, this year we want to grow in faith as a church. We want to live by faith. We want to be a people who know where God is going. We follow after him. We seek him with all of our heart. That we are people who has our faith stretched this year. That we're not a complacent people, but that we're people who are listening to the voice of the shepherd. This year, we will live by faith. But for some of you in this room, you've never given faith to the fact that God exists. Or maybe you kind of believe he's out there somewhere, but you've never agreed that you need to deal with him and that your sin is accountable to him. And maybe today, for the first time, you're realizing that God loves you that Jesus hung on a cross and gave his life for you, and he wants a relationship with you. Well, the way that you do that is by receiving him as Lord. And you just say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you I believe in you, and I'm asking you to make me spiritually alive on the inside. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just so you're only thinking about your own life. If that's you today, would you pray a prayer like this to say, Jesus, I believe you exist, that you died for my sin, that you rose from the grave because you're God. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Wash me as white as snow. Make me spiritually alive on the inside and put a new creation inside of me so that I can live in relationship with you. Right now, if you prayed that prayer, will you raise your hand anywhere around the room? Right over there on the end, two on the end over there, three or four in the back, awesome. Right here in the middle, we got a group in the middle, awesome. Just hold your hand up, I'll find you. That's so good. Will you give it up for what God is doing in and through and among us? God, we thank you, we praise you. We ask you, God, to guide us this week as we walk in relationship with you by faith. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.